Chapter Nine of the Tysons by May Sinclair. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Expatriate in Bangor, Maine. Chapter Nine: An Unnatural Mother. Next morning, a rumor set out from three distinct centers: Thornytoft, Meriden, and the Crossroads, to the effect that Tyson had quarrelled seriously with Stanistreet. His wife, as might be imagined, was the cause after a hot dispute in which her name had been rather freely bandied about it seems that tyson had picked the captain up by the scruff of the neck and tumbled him out of the house by the evening the scandal was blazing like a fire mrs neville tyson was undoubtedly a benefactor to her small public she had roused the intelligence of drayton parva as it had never been roused before conjecture followed furtively on her footsteps an inference met her and stared her in the face no circumstance not even sir peter's innocent admiration was too trivial to furnish a link in the chain of evidence against her not that a breath of slander touched sir peter he poor old soul was simply regarded as the victim of diabolical fascinations after the discomfiture of stanistreet mrs neville tyson's movements were watched with redoubled interest her appearances were now strictly limited to those large confused occasions which might be considered open events drayton races church the hunt ball and so on only the casual stranger languishing in magnificent boredom by miss bachelor's side followed mrs neville tyson with a kindly eye who is that pretty little woman in the pink gown he would ask in his innocence oh that is mrs neville tyson she is pretty would be the answer jerked over miss bachelor's shoulder that habit was growing on her and who or what is mrs neville tyson whereupon miss bachelor would suddenly recover her self-possession and reply not a person you would care to make an intimate friend of and at this the stranger smiled or looked uncomfortable according to his nature public sympathy was all with tyson if ever a clever man ruined his life by a foolish marriage that man was tyson opinions differed as to the precise extent of mrs tyson's indiscretion but her husband was held to have saved his honour by his spirited ejection of captain stanistreet and he was respected accordingly meanwhile the hero of this charming fiction was unconscious of the fine figure he cut he was preoccupied with the unheroic fact the ridiculous cause of a still more ridiculous quarrel looking back on it he was chiefly conscious of having made more or less of a fool of himself after all tyson knew men on mature reflection it was simply impossible to regard stanistreet as a purveyor of puerile gossip or seriously to believe that such gossip had been the cause of his disaster that was only the last of a long train of undignified circumstances which had made his position in drayton parva insupportable it lent a little more point to the innuendo on every tongue the intelligence in every eye he was sick with disgust and consumed with the desire to get out of it all to cut drayton parva for good the accursed place was trying to stare him out of countenance everywhere he turned there was a stare it was on the villagers faces behind miss bachelor's eyeglass on the bare fields with their sunken fences and on that abominable bold-faced house of his no doubt this was the secret of the business that took tyson up to town so many times that winter he said nothing to his wife that could account for his frequent absence 
but she believed that he was looking about for the long-promised flat and when he remarked casually one morning that he meant to leave thorneytoft in the spring she was not surprised neither was mrs wilcox the flat had appeared rather often in her conversation of late mrs wilcox was dimly fitfully aware of the state of public opinion but it did not disturb her in the least she at once assumed the smile and the attitude of hope she smiled on her son-in-law's aberrations as she smiled on the ways of the universe at large and for the same reason that the one was about as intelligible as the other she went about paying visits and in the course of conversation gave people to understand that mr tyson's residence in drayton had been something of a concession on his part from the first so large a landowner had a great many tiresome claims and obligations as well as a position to keep up in his county but there could be no doubt that neville was quite lost in the place and that the true sphere of his activity was town mrs wilcox's taste for vague and ample phrases was extremely convenient at times if his wife was the last person to be consulted in tyson's arrangements it may be supposed that no great thought was taken for his son and heir not that the little creature would have been much affected by any change in his surroundings he was too profoundly indifferent to the world it had taken all the delicious tumult of the spring all the flaming show of summer to move him to a few pitiful smiles he had none of the healthy infant's passion and lusty grasp of life he seemed to touch it as he had touched his mother's breasts delicately tentatively with some foregone fastidious sense of its illusion what little interest he had ever taken in the thing declined perceptibly with autumn when he became too deeply engrossed with the revolutions taking place in his sad little body to care much for anything that went on outside it hitherto he had not had to suffer from the neglect of servants he was so delicate from his birth that his mother had been strongly advised to keep on the trained nurse till he was a year old but mrs neville tyson knew better than that for some reason she had taken a dislike to her trained nurse perhaps she was a little bit afraid of the professional severity which had so often held in check her fits of hysterical passion aided by mrs wilcox and her own intuitions after rejecting a dozen candidates on the ground of youth and frivolity she chose a woman with calm blue eyes and a manner that inspired confidence swinny engaged at an enormous salary had absolute authority in the nursery and if it had been possible to entertain a doubt as to this excellent woman's worth the fact that she had kept the tyson baby alive so long was sufficient testimonial to her capabilities but swinny was in love in love with pinker and to be in love with pinker was to live in a perfect delirium of hopes and fears no sooner was swinny delivered over to the ministers of love who dealt with her after their will than baby too agonized and languished his food ceased to nourish him his body wasted they bought a cow for his sole use and benefit and guarded it like a sacred animal but to no purpose he drank of its milk and grew thinner than ever strange furrows began to appear on his tiny face with shadows and a transparent tinge like the blue of skim milk as the pure air of drayton did so little for him mrs neville tyson wondered how he would bear the change to london shall i take him neville she asked take him if you like was the reply but you might as well poison the little beast at home while you're about it so it was an understood thing that when mr and mrs neville tyson settled in town 
baby was to be left behind at thorneytoft for the good of his health it was his father's proposal and his mother agreed to it in silence her indifference roused the severest comments in the household mrs neville tyson was an unnatural mother from the day she weaned him no one had ever seen her caress the child she handled him with a touch as light and fleeting as his own her lips seemed to shrink from contact with his pure soft skin there could be no doubt of it mrs neville tyson's behaviour was that of a guilty woman guilty in will at any rate if not in deed a shuddering whisper went through the house it became a murmur and the murmur became an articulate unmistakable voice the servants were sitting in judgment on her swinney spoke from the height of a lofty morality pinker being a footman of the world took a humorous not to say cynical view which pained swinney such a view could never have been taken by one whose affections were deeply engaged the conclusions arrived at in the servants hall soon received a remarkable confirmation it was on a monday mrs neville tyson was seen to come down to breakfast in an unusually cheerful frame of mind tyson was away he had been up in town for three weeks and was expected home that evening she looked for letters there were two one from the master of the house one also from stanistreet placed undermost by the discreet pinker the same thoughtful observer of character noticed that his mistress blushed and put her letters aside instead of reading them at once at ten swinney came into the breakfast-room bearing baby this was the custom of the house by courtesy the most unnatural mother may be credited with a wish to see her child once a day this morning mrs neville tyson did not so much as raise her head she was sitting by the fire in her usual drooping guilty attitude swinney noticed that the hearth was strewn with the fragments of torn letters she put the baby down on a rug by the window and left his mother alone with him to see what she would do she did nothing baby lay on the floor sucking his little claw-like fingers and stirring feebly in the sun mrs neville tyson continued to gaze abstractedly at nothing when swinney came back after a judicious interval he was still lying there and she still sitting as before she had not moved an inch how did swinney know that why the tail of mrs tyson's dress was touching the exact spot on the carpet it had touched before swinney had made a note of the pattern and the child might have cried himself into fits before she'd have stirred hand or foot to comfort him baby found himself caught up in a rapture and strained to his faithful swinney's breast whereupon he cried he had been happier lying in the sun swinney turned round to the motionless figure by the hearth and held the child well up in her arms baby thinks that his mamma would like to see him said swinney in an insinuating manner a hard melancholy voice answered i don't want to see him i don't want to see him any more all the same mrs neville tyson turned and looked after him as he was carried through the doorway she could just see the downy back of his innocent head and his ridiculous frock bulging roundly over the nurse's arm but whether she was thinking of him at that moment only god knows the household was informed that its master would not return that evening after all that no date was fixed for his coming later on pinker the guardian of the hearth finding those fragments of letters tried to put them together again tyson's letter it was impossible to restore it had been torn to atoms in a vicious fury of destruction 
but by great good luck stanistreet's a mere note had been more tenderly dealt with it was torn in four neat places the text though corrupt was fairly legible and left little to the ingenuity of the scoliast the captain was staying in the neighbourhood he proposed to call on mrs neville tyson would she be at home on wednesday afternoon now to pinker's certain knowledge mrs neville tyson had taken the letters to the post herself that morning that meant secrecy and secrecy meant mischief how was she going to get through the next two days this was provided for baby was a bad sleeper that night he cried as he had never cried before not violently he was too weak for that but with a sound like the tongue-tied whimper of some tiny animal swinny had slept through worse noise many a night now he cried from midnight to cock-crow and on tuesday morning swinny was crying too he had had one of his little attacks after which he began to show signs of rapid wasting he had got something which mrs neville tyson had never heard of marasmus the doctor called it she hoped it was nothing very bad then the truth came out piecemeal through swinney's confession and the witness of her fellow-servants the wretched woman's movements had been wholly determined by the movements of pinker and she had been in the habit of leaving the child in the servants hall where the cook being an affectionate motherly woman made much of him and fed him with strange food he had had an attack the last time she did this and swinney who valued her place for more reasons than one had been afraid to say anything about it preoccupied with her great passion she had been insensible to the signs of sickness that showed themselves from day to day in other words there had been shameful pitiful neglect terrified and repentant swinney confessed and became faithful again she sat up all night with the child wrapped in blankets in her lap she left nothing for his mother to do but to sit and look at him or to go softly to and fro warming blankets it was odd but mrs neville tyson never questioned the woman's right to exclusive possession of the child she had written to neville by the first post to tell him of his son's illness that gave him time to answer the same night wednesday came there was no answer to her letter and the baby was worse the doctor doubted if he would pull through mrs wilcox was asked to break the news to her daughter she literally broke it that is to say she presented it in such disjointed fragments that it would have puzzled a wiser head than mrs neville tyson's to make out the truth mrs wilcox had been much distressed by molly's strange indifference to her maternal claims but when you came to think of it it was a very good thing that she had not cared more for the child if she was not to keep him all the same mrs wilcox knew that she had an extremely disagreeable task to perform they were in the porch at thorneytoft the bare white porch that stared out over the fields and down the great granite road to london as mrs neville tyson listened she leaned against the wall with her hands clasped in front of her and her head thrown back to stop her tears from falling her throat shook she was so young only a child herself a broad shaft of sunshine covered her small figure her red dress glowed in the living light looking at her a pathetic idea came to mrs wilcox you never had a frock that became you more she murmured between two sighs mrs neville tyson heard neither murmur nor sighs and yet her senses did their work for years afterwards she remembered that someone was standing there in the bright sunshine dressed in a red gown someone who answered when she was spoken to 
but that she she stood apart in her misery and was dumb i don't understand she said at last why can't you say what you mean is there danger mrs wilcox looked uncomfortable yes there is some danger but while there is life there is hope if there is danger she paused looking away toward the long high road if there is danger i shall send for neville he will come she telegraphed baby dangerously ill come at once she waited feverishly for an answer there was none to the horror of the household she gave orders that when captain stanistreet called she would see him as she could not tear herself from the baby there was nothing for it but to bring stanistreet to her to his intense astonishment louis was led up into a wide bare room on the third story he was in that mood when we are struck with the unconscious symbolism of things by the high fire-guard the walls covered with cheerful oleographs the toys piled in the corner he knew that this was the abode of innocence the child's nursery the place was flooded with sunshine a woman sat by the fire with a small yellowish bundle in her lap opposite her sat mrs neville tyson with her eyes fixed on the bundle she looked up in stanistreet's face as he came in but held out no hand louis she whispered hoarsely when he was near where's neville in london have you seen him yes is he coming i don't know i didn't speak to him i-i was in a hurry she had turned her head her eyes never wandered from that small yellowish bundle up to the last she had let it lie on the nurse's knee she had not dared to take it perhaps she felt she was unworthy he followed her gaze he's very ill said she look at him the nurse moved a fold of blanket from the child's face and stanistreet gazed at tyson's son he tried to speak shh shh whispered mrs neville tyson he's sleeping dying sir muttered the nurse the woman drew in her knees tightening her hold on the child her face was stained with tears she had loved the baby before she loved pinker remorse moved her and righteous indignation mrs neville tyson's nostrils twitched deep black rings were round her eyes passion and hunger were in them but there were no tears and as stanistreet looked from one woman to the other he understood he picked up the bundle and removed it to its mother's knee all her soul passed into the look wherewith she thanked him swinny tear-stained but inexorable stood aloof like rigid justice weighing her mistress in the balance he's dying molly he said gently she shook her head no he's not dying god isn't cruel he won't let him die she turned the child's face to her breast hoping perhaps that his hands would move in the old delicious way he did not stir and she laid him on his back again and looked at him his lips and the hollows under his eyes were blue the collapse had come louis knelt down and put his hand over the tiny heart a spasm passed over the baby's face simulating a smile then mrs neville tyson fell to smiling too see she said but stanistreet had seen enough he rose from his knees and left her End of chapter nine recording by expatriate in bangor maine